0: At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. Because that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. From fresh berries to fresh tomatoes, we know the farm is where it all grows. From their farms to your forks, working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: And welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at TV.com On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And that is our website address for the radio show, TV.com. And if you'd like to find out all about the different programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Just visit us online at www.xzbn.net. By the way, ExoNation, the final tally is in. The August edition of the X Chronicles newspaper was downloaded more than 7 million times around the world, so we're very happy with that. And we look at much higher digital download figures with the September-October issue of the newspaper, and why we do a September-October issue is because in January we have two editions of the X-Chronicles newspaper, one for Christmas and then one with the psychic predictions for the year to come. My guest this hour, explanation is Mark Muncy. He is the creator of Hellview Cemetery, a charity haunted house in central Florida that was so infamous it was banned by the city of St. Petersburg. An author of horror and science fiction, he has spent over three decades collecting ghostly tales and reports of legendary beasts. Erie, Florida, is his first work uh, for the History Press. He lives in St. Petersburg, Florida, on the remains of an ancient mid- midden, midden. Ancient midden, that's right. With his fiancee and illustrating partner, Carrie, Carrie Schultz. Occasionally, he is visited by his daughter when they remember he still is there. Hey, Mark! Welcome to the X Zone.
3: Hey,
1: how you doing?
4: I'm doing great. Uh, Tell me about the the city of uh, Saint Petersburg that actually banned the cemetery, uh, the haunted—I'm sorry, the charity haunted house—because it was so infamous. Why would they do that?
3: Well, we uh, we did the haunted house for about 20 years for charity. Uh, Went through a few uh, political administrations, and you know, and we were always a. you know the the destination in St. Saint- Pete because we were free. We did it right. for charity, and uh, all was good. And we got compared pretty favorably to the big boys, and uh, and it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were uh, when we first dug it originally. We found a uh, burial site on our yard. We were digging a grave, and we found that it was a burial site. So we had some. We called the police, and they said no, it's an archaeological site. Had an archaeologist come out. And they said, Oh, it's an Indian mitten. They're all over the place. And we're just happy it wasn't one of the lost cemeteries of St. Petersburg. And we're like, Lost cemeteries?
4: Mm, and there you go.
3: Pioneer cemeteries that had disappeared and had still never been found. Even to this day, a few are still missing. One of them was called Hillview. And the Tales from the Crib fan and me said, Oh, it's got to be Hellview. So we made it Hellview Cemetery, and that would come back every year. And we got a victim of our own success. You know, it was. You know, a few thousand people throwing going through a neighborhood, and you know, we we handled it pretty well. But uh, you know, all it takes is one or two bad apples, and a couple neighbors yeah. were a little spooked by it. So, but here
4: That's you guys, different. here you guys were doing something for charity. You were helping out other people.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the the taint of Halloween, you know how that uh. goes.
4: Yeah, I do. You know, I, I still say Halloween is kept in business by the American Dental Society and, uh, you know, all the candy manufacturers throughout the United States and around the world. What is What does midden mean?
3: Uh, in, in, midden is basically, uh, it's not a burial mound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's what the uh, early natives uh, just, they would make refuse piles, basically. And they would, you know, just throw all their stuff in it. And it's Florida. It's a beautiful place. So everybody migrates down here, including the natives. Uh, these were the Timucuans and the Tokabega Indians around our area. That uh, no people list themselves as being of that descendant of those tribes anymore because they got wiped out by pretty much by the Spanish and the early colonists. But they left all these mounds everywhere. And when people started moving in, they said, "Oh, hey, let's. This is beautiful weather. Let's let's let's." Plow these down and just put stuff up. Oh, heavens. And that's what happened with the early cities here. So there's not as many mounds as there should be, and a midden is just that.
4: Mark, stand by. You and I have to take our first break for the sour. Exo Nation, our guest of the sour, is Mark Midden. His website is erieflorida.com. That's www.erieflorida.com. And Mark and I will return on the other side of this break. As we continue, here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.HolisticCancerFoundation.com
0: Is it science or is it magic? Once a magical thing has been scientifically proven, is it no longer magic? Or is magic simply the science of tomorrow? Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, on the Science of Magic, a syndicated radio program dedicated to combining the science and magic of today's dynamic and controversial topics to co-create new solutions. By triangulating information from today's leading experts from the scientific and magical fields, we uncover expansive and evolutionary truths you won't find anywhere else. Join us daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview this, share the thoughts with the amazing guests from both science and magic. The resulting knowledge is unprecedented. As a gift to you, the listener, past episodes can be accessed on our website, free of charge at thescienceofmagic.net.
4: Exo Nation, Mark Muncie is our special guest. And uh, I've got to tell you something. If you're in Florida, if you're into the weird, the strange, the bizarre, or no matter where you are listening to the Exxon Radio Show, I strongly suggest you get a copy of Erie, Florida. Visit www.erieflorida.com. All right, we've talked about UFOs. We've talked about an exploding member of the clergy. Uh, we've talked about... A monster that lives under a trestle. How about lake monsters? Any lake monsters?
3: Oh, there are numerous monsters that go all the way back to the early days of European uh, explorers that with their Indian guides would talk about the great beast that lives in the lake. And that was uh, up near Lake Maggiore, uh which is near Orlando area and uh, Sanford. And then there's the beast from Lake Helen Blazes, which us Floridians, we like to name our, uh, our, our places really colorfully. And uh, there's another, the Lake Aster Beast, which is supposed to be very similar to Nessie. He kind of popped up around the time of Nessie Mania. But our most famous is on the St. John's River and uh, Lake Monroe, uh, where it kind of bottoms out, is the great uh, Pinky the Sea Serpent. And uh, Pinky was named because in one of his most famous sightings, the uh, family that saw him, he pops his head up out of the water, about three feet out of the water, turns to look at him, and has kind of two eye stalks. His eyes are on, you know, either right under him, so they might have been horns, but they were moving. And he had a big shell on his back, a big gray shell, but he was the color of boiled shrimp. And that was what stuck with the press. And so he became known as Pinky the Sea Monster. And he was seen a lot you know, all the way up to the late 80s, hmm. and now there's still sightings every once in a while of them, but they are definitely, you know, not nearly as frequent as they used to be. Now that area has had, you know, there's theories that it could be an albino seal, or uh, you know, manatees were in that area a lot, so it could have been an albino manatee that the people were confusing. But pretty, pretty specific descriptions with a turtle shell and a you know, and a pink white snakehead. So.
4: Yeah. Tell me about Robert the doll.
3: Oh, one of our most famous denizens of Florida, all the way down in Key West, which the Indians used to call the Key of Bones because that's where they buried everybody. Uh, but uh, so it's got enough creepy stuff. Robert the doll, uh, for those who don't know, was the inspiration for Chucky. Oh. He's a doll that lives in this house down there uh, for the longest time. He had a he had an owner who was named... uh, Robert Eugene and he got this doll that was about the same size as him dressed exactly like him and uh, and whenever things would go bad he would say Robert did it and they'd be like no you're Robert and he's like no I'm Eugene I'm going to go by my middle name so we don't get confused the doll is Robert (laughs) and so that's just the start and uh, you know things go crazy for years and years and years and now he Robert is in the Fort East Morello Museum and you can go see Robert the doll. But you have to be very respectful of Robert. You have to treat him properly with respect and you have to ask his permission if you take his photo because if you don't, you will get the curse of Robert and bad things will happen to you. And there's this wall behind him filled with letters of people writing to apologize to Robert saying, please take off your curse. We're sorry we made fun of you. We're sorry we took your photo. And that was what fascinated me the most, more than the stories of Robert walking around and being seen and all that. I just love this curse, because one of my favorite letters was, Dear Sir Robert, I'm sorry I made fun of your stupid leather face. Leather is actually nice for a face. And I'm sorry I took your photo without permission. I've deleted it. Please please remove your curse. We get the message. Please fix my eye, my Xbox, and my marriage. Wow. And I love that that was the order he put them in.
4: <laughs> Unbelievable.
3: <laughs> but, yeah, it's, that's, uh, he's famous for down there. The, the, store, you know, the, the managers there will say they lock him in at night. You know, he's locked in his cage, you know, his little uh, glass case. And then some mornings they'll come back. He won't be in there. He'll be out front just standing outside the museum with sand on his feet like he went for a walk.
4: Now that is creepy.
3: Yeah, oh, he's he's a creepy doll. So we love him to death, and we love you, Robert. Much respect, but uh, you are kind of a scary thing.
4: Wow. <laughs> I also noticed in your book you had something on uh, Mary Reeser, also known as the Cindy, uh, the Cindy the Cinder
1: Lady. The
3: Cinder Lady, yeah. yes, the Cinder Lady, the one of the most famous cases of spontaneous human combustion, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in St. Petersburg, it was a hot July day. And uh, the 1950s, and this uh, a widowed lady was having dinner with her son, and then he went home. The next morning, a man came to, you know, and she was in her robe and sitting down in her chair. The next day, a man comes to deliver a package. can't get in, so he, you know, she doesn't answer the door. So he goes to the landlord. Landlord comes over. The door is hot. Fire. They immediately call the authorities. Right. Fire department shows up, breaks down the door. Nothing there. Just you know, a smell of smoke, some signs of fire damage, and a dark, greasy spot on the ground where Mary Reeser and her chair once were. And all that's left is a foot, a shrunken skull, and a couple bits that were maybe teeth, and uh, and a pile of goo. And uh, they it's investigated by the FBI because what a crazy thing! Mm-hmm. Thousands of degrees for several hours would have been required to melt the body like that. And they can't figure out how it happened. There were theories of ball lightning. There were theories of all kinds of crazy stuff. And we were at the St. Petersburg Museum of History where they thankfully had the uh, actual FBI files on the case. And we were able to access those with J. Edgar Hoover's signature on them. Uh, They eventually said it was candling where she fell asleep with a cigarette and their bodies fat and robes you know, act like a wick and just burned her to death. And that's why there was no other damage in the area. But uh, even the guy who came up with that later said that it was the weirdest case he ever worked on, and if he had lived in the Dark Ages, he would have been murmuring something about black magic.
4: I guess. I really guess. But, but if, the, if the FBI said it would have taken a fire of several thousand degrees to, to do what was done... How can this other person say, well, it was because of candling? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and,
3: and how, could it, how could it have not burned down the entire Ex- apartment building? Exactly. You know, just, a, just a chair and some minor damage yeah. to the couch, and the clock on the wall melted slightly and stopped at 420 a.m., which is one of the reasons why people say that's, uh the famous 420 comes from that more than a non-existent police code.
4: So. Hmm. 3,000 miles traveled without leaving the state of Florida.
3: Yeah, it was a crazy few weeks exploring all wow. these great places, and, and a lot of places we weren't allowed in, uh, uh, but we still got the stories on them, and we were able to find a lot of it through the historical archives. And my lovely and talented illustrator, Gary Schultz, was able to make some of the monsters come to life that would only pose for blurry photos.
4: After having after having traveled three thousand miles, in your opinion, what is the most scariest and or perplexing story that you have come across?
3: I will say the scariest story was the Dozier School for Boys. Uh, that is not a mystery. There of course there are ghostly legends of the place and terrifying mm-hmm. rules. It's up in the panhandle, it's up in Mariana, Florida. And um, it's basically 100 years of state-sponsored child abuse. Oh, it was a school that was the, for the worst of the worst, it was supposed to house 100 kids that you know, couldn't be sent everywhere. And they gave it this colorful name, the Florida School for Boys. Uh, and they were sent there. But within 10 years, it had already overflowed to over 500 students and more. And they were prisoners. They were bad kids. But then the crimes became less and less. Kids were sent there for truancy, for being late to school. Kids were sent there for incorrigibleness. You know, how, how do you describe that? Mm-hmm. You get sent to the worst school in Florida, you know, locked away in a truancy school. And uh, and the, the, the allegations of abuse started almost immediately, and mostly from other students. But then, of course, the staff stories start coming into light. There are it closed in 2011 finally and uh they started really investigating it and see how bad it really was there was a boot hill on the on the school grounds that have 31 markers but there are only 24 reported deaths at the school over 100 years so they started doing digging and they found over 55 bodies Good Lord. All kinds of deaths. And, and no, no, the records are terrible. There's nothing in the records. They would just say, student no longer here, presumed escaped. And yet, you know, they're still finding bodies. And the state's trying to sell the land. There's a great organization called the White House Boys, and those are people who survived the school. And they you know, have their own support group, and they're trying to fight to get the truth out about this. And uh, the state only this year, made, uh, you know, the state senate uh, mm-hmm. they issued a formal apology to some of the survivors saying, look, we're sorry. And that's, it's still, stuff's coming to light every day.
4: That is a travesty.
3: Yeah, it's the yeah. darkest story. And it's, like I said, we could have talked more about the yeah. ghosts. We could have talked that there's a, the White House, which was the the infamous building they built. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was originally a solitary confinement, but it was where they turned on industrial fans to turn down the screams and that's where they tortured the boys and would beat them to, you know, as many times as they could with the whip. And they'd only know how many times they'd been beat because they'd wake up in the morning after blacking out and the kid in the cell next to them had counted the lashes for him. It's terrifying. If you, the white house boys have a wonderful website, whitehouseboys.org. And if you can help them, they'd love it. But if nothing else, just help you know, read some of their stories that they are using for therapy and, it'll give you nightmares for weeks.
4: You know, there are, there are other stories like that. Uh, here in Canada, there is uh one in Quebec where it was an orphanage and the children were called the De Plessy kids because it was during the time of, um, a premier De Plessy, the, the prime minister, the premier of the province of Quebec and stories just like you were relating to us, uh, very similar very similar yeah. travesty.
1: travesty terrible
3: terrible stuff yeah. and Professor Kimberly of USF is uh, leading the uh, archaeological expeditions mm-hmm. into it but she's having to fight the people who own the property at every level uh, we got out there we got some beautiful pictures of the place uh, right. but uh, even then we couldn't get past the gate they wouldn't let us in you know even knowing that we were just trying to see some of the historical markers that are there because in 2008 they actually Started acknowledging this stuff and put up a historical marker, but you're not allowed to go visit it because it's on private property.
4: Why wouldn't the government treat it as a crime scene and expropriate it? That's, the...
3: that's what's been. That's the question. Why yeah. are they not allowing more investigations? Why are they, there's a rumored second graveyard, ah. and uh, that, you know, that the black students were buried in, and the white students were buried in another one, and but they aren't allowed to ex- excavate that, you know, because they don't know where it is, and uh, they're, you know, it's. It's a scary place yeah. the government just wants to sell the land and sell it to a developer and
4: get rid of it that's
3: what everybody's fighting yeah
4: you know what i I love talking to people like you because not only are you an author not only are you a researcher but you are a historian you keep the history alive and my hat is off to you for that
3: well thank you thank you that's what uh, we that's why the book is from history press we wanted to tie it into all the that, you know, it's not just sure. the legends, it's not just the monsters it's, it's the history behind them why they are where they are and what those
4: stories actually come from. Mark, stand by you and I have to take our final break for this hour explanation. Mark Muncy is our guest www.eerieflorida.com and we'll be back after this break, don't go away
0: Ancient prophecies, legends, and current events indicate we're entering a high-frequency era supporting enlightenment. During expansive times, old rules fail, necessitating access to the ever-shifting currents of life for guidance. There's an ancient form of shamanism through which we can obtain the information we need. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School, with a great new provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment galactic shamanism art of the ancients key to tomorrow is an upcoming series of leading edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition embrace the magic empower your life study galactic shamanism at findyourpathhome.com
2: For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
4: Welcome back, everyone. Mark Muncie is our special guest, www.erie, Florida. .com. And let me ask you something, Mark. How eerie is Florida?
3: Oh, well, that was the point. We ran the haunted house for so long, and we were collecting all these stories mm-hmm. for you know nearly three decades. And uh, I would, because I was trying to base the ghosts and monsters in our haunted house on local legends. And uh, so it's pretty scary. We had uh, quite a stack, and we had to narrow them down for the book. So we've got kind of a, a top 25 in the book, if you will of some of the creepiest and spookiest stories we could find.
4: Now I know in Florida, there's the skunk ape. Um,
3: Oh yes. There's a few different varieties of them here. That was one of the things we found while researching it is that, uh, he's our Bigfoot, He's our Sasquatch. And, but, uh, down in the Everglades, there's one that's kind of more docile and more, you know, just hides from people harder to see. They seem to be a little thinner and, uh, more uh orangutan colored and such, hmm. and then the ones in the Ocala National Forest, one of the largest forests in america uh they are a bit more aggressive and a bit more violent, and they all have that terrible smell because they sleep in swamps and bogs, and that's where they got the nickname skunk ape uh We kind of wish they were called swamp apes or something like that, but you know skunk ape kind of sticks. Yeah. And then up in the panhandle are the ones that seem to be a bit more like the new version, the dogmen. They seem to have like pointed snouts and, you know, and perky ears, and they also seem to be a bit more aggressive. So it was fascinating to learn there's so many different varieties. You know.
4: When it comes to uh, ghost stories throughout Florida, are there a lot of ghost stories? Uh, I, I had somebody on the show many years ago who, uh, this has nothing to do with ghosts, by the way, but it just came to mind, uh, the Coral Castle.
3: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We we talk about the Coral Castle in the book. It's a uh, America's Stonehenge. Yes. A uh, glorious, you know, creation by a man who weighed 150 pounds, built in the time of the Model T mm-hmm. without you know any modern tools and such. And he lifted stones, you know, 30 tons and has them resurrected. And they've survived more hurricanes mm-hmm. than anybody. And it's a be- beautiful place, uh, even if he didn't build it. With supernatural powers, like some claim, but you know it's still a monument to what one man can do. Either way, but uh, as for ghosts, yeah, Florida is filled. Every beach town has a ghost tour, and uh, you know St. Augustine, yeah. Key West, you name it. They even here in Tampa Bay, we've got quite a little cottage industry in ghost tours.
4: Why do you think the paranormal is still such a hot commodity, generating so much money each and every year?
3: Um, you know, it's a good question. I mean, our book was, uh, definitely from demand. We were, uh, you know, we, we were researching these things and suddenly, you know, we would post about them and people would go, Hey, I've never heard of that legend. I live right here. And we were like, well, you know, here it is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then the next thing, you know, they're saying, well, we we you know, there's a, there's a tour about it. We didn't even know. And so it's just, I think it's just that fascination with the unknown. Everybody wants, wants there to be more to life.
4: What is your personal view, and why did you get involved in the paranormal?
3: Um, Well, it goes a long way back. It's uh, it's, it's the first time I've been asked that. It was a long, long time ago. Uh, I was living in a house up in Dayton, Ohio, Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, went up into the attic one day, and there was a weird black shape in the middle of the attic and looked up at me with some Odd eyes, it's my earliest memory I have. And I just remember running and screaming, and that's the only thing I remember of that. And so it's kind of fascinated me my whole life from there.
4: I'd run like hell, too, my friend. I really would. <laughs> um, I've been down to Gulf Breeze uh, investigating the Gulf Breeze UFO sightings, with, you know, and uh, I've heard all the stories about Walt Endress. What is your take as a professional researcher in Florida?
3: My take is I do believe that there there, there's no doubt there was a UFO flap Mm -hmm. in the 80s with 200 plus sightings that were reported. Now this is Eglin Air Force Base. This is Pensacola Naval Base. They're both right there. Could have been anything that people were seeing Uh, was aliens. Who knows? I do believe the uh, Ed Walters stuff uh, was probably you know he kind of banked in on it and you know they you know they debunked him they found the model in his attic and all that so you know and he of course claims that it was all a setup he's been set up it really didn't you know have any of that so you know it's he said she said Mm -hmm. there's a kid who's come forward said he helped them do it so yeah it's a little he's got a lot to live up to but that still doesn't discount so many other sightings in the area and and to this day, the USOs, the unidentified submerged objects that become UFOs, where they fly out from under boats, some of the stories we got from captains up there, would uh, you know, was just amazing to us. And I mean, they they believe it to themselves 100%. So I give it some credence. There's definitely something going
4: on up there. One of the questions I always raised when talking to people who had investigated the Gulf Breeze sightings, is how come nobody mentions the NASA, launch, the NASA launch of the Pegasus vehicles that coincide perfectly with the date and times of all the different sightings that Walt Andrus talked about?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's just yeah. that there's, there's plenty of natural reasons for mm-hmm. it. Some of them were classified at the time, some yep. of them not so classified. So, yeah, we think that one's more a terrestrial phenomena. Yeah. But... uh you know what is it who knows i remember driving home one day seeing a flying saucer being escorted by F-16s over wow. my car and i was like oh my gosh they are finally announcing it it's it's real and turned out it was just that was the the debut of the stealth fighter yep and they well, were deba- debuting it at macdill air force base and it looked exactly like a, the OS saucer so that's right know. and and
4: the same thing happened over uh, area 51 Everybody was there taking photographs of these craft with doing doing impossible maneuvers, and what was even more perplexing to those who were there, who had Doppler radars uh, on their vehicles, is that they couldn't pick up the target. And there you go. The very next day, these craft were on their way to the first Gulf, the first desert storm.
2: Yep.
3: Yep. Exactly. And that's just it. I we that's why we think that's a bit more terrestrial. Mm -hmm. It's just something we're not ready to know yet.
4: Yeah, many questions out there. We have, to, uh, we have to actually, in my opinion, define that line between national security and hype. And I think the media has done their fair share of uh, you know, playing both sides of the coin when it comes to that as well. Yeah, always. Now, being in Florida, you're close to the Bermuda Triangle. Any stories about that?
3: Oh, of course of course uh, the Bermuda triangle is as uh, important to Florida as just about anywhere else we've also got little triangles that are well known like the uh, the Tampa triangle is uh, was even a book uh, a number of years ago over gosh over oh, nearly thirty years ago hmm. and uh, they you know had their own series of disappearances and unusual stuff on this coast right and so it's the the question is really where does it begin where does it end uh, the you know there's all kinds of disappearances and the you know the boats the planes all that everybody's off course everybody's having weird stuff it's of course again it's one of those most of them can be explained with just uh navigational issues and other things like that especially back in the day but uh you know it's still it's a unique phenomena to the area
4: it certainly is um St. St. Augustine is the oldest city in the U.S. and full of ghost stories. But you talk about something else. Share that with us.
3: Oh yeah. Uh, we again, you know, we tried to put some of the basic ghosts in there, the famous ones like mm-hmm. St. You know, Lily's Room at the St. Francis Inn and a bunch of other great ghosts. But we talked about Augustine Verot, who was uh, the bishop of St. Augustine, and he was from Le Puy France. Back in the early eighteen hundreds, he helped found pretty much every church that you find in the south uh, any of the Catholic churches in the south uh, for the early days of the u s and early days of Florida as a state. Uh, this guy was beloved by many he was he founded a sisterhood back in France and he was he was one of the first guys to bring the freed slaves into the Catholic Church and tell everybody to reach out to him so you know, just a really great man. Yes. He passes away in the summer of 1876, and it's June, and then the Church reaches out to him. He wants, you know, reaches out to their, the people there and say, we want him." he wants to be buried in St. Augustine, we understand that, but people are coming from all over the world to see this man, so you have to keep the body uh, out for visit, for, you know, for a viewing. So it's, it's June, it's Florida, it's hot. So they decide to put the body on ice, because at this point, embalming's still very new. The mm-hmm. church really kind of frowned on it still. So they put him on ice. They put him in a hole. That wasn't working. They did the straw with ice. That wasn't working. So they get this brilliant idea to build a metal casket for him and put the ice in there with him. And they're like, well, we got to keep it open. So we put a glass seal on the front of it. They put a glass window so you can still see the body. But what they've built is a pressure cooker. Oh, heavens. So days pass, 90-some-odd degrees in June in Florida, and he, the gases are building inside him as he's decomposing. And, of course, the stories kind of differ on if it was right after the ceremony or near the end of the ceremony. But, yes, the glass cracks. He explodes, oh, and so he is known as the exploding bishop of St. Augustine.
1: Oh,
4: gosh. <laughs> Oh, heavens. Is it true that—, yeah,
3: that- Definitely a great story. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I- I- is it true that one story may have actually influenced the legend of Slenderman?
3: Oh yes, we've 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 actually kind of got it almost to when it did. Uh, there's a legendary creature in Tampa called the Trestle Bridge Monster, and trestle bridges are you know train track bridges. Yeah. This one happens to be near a school and goes right over the Hillsborough River. And there's a lot of deaths associated with this bridge, uh, either suicides or just missing people. And a lot of times it's kids. Kids cross this bridge because it's a shortcut. They don't have to walk around the road and, you know, and, and go a half mile out of their way. They can just cross the Trestle Bridge. Well, it's a Trestle Bridge. There's trains on it. It's dangerous. But the legend is that there's this creature that lives on the bridge. And he there's a body that you see and it looks kind of like a guy in a suit and it's just sitting on the body, and it's like, help me, help me. And you go out to try to help the guy, and about you get halfway out onto the bridge over the Hillsborough River, and then suddenly the body raises, and it's like an anglerfish. It's a giant sea spider with crazy legs, and it's listing the body. The body is just like this thing it holds in front of it, and it lures you to your death on this bridge. Now, Slenderman, Internet legend, was uh, you know, created for a, a Photoshop contest And he was just a guy in a suit. Well, they put him onto the Creepypasta website, which is like a Wikipedia, and people were adding to the legends and creating stories, and that's where Slenderman just took off like wildfire and went viral, literally. And one of the, we believe, some of the posts where he suddenly started getting tentacles out of his back or spider-like legs out of his back to grab his victims, we think that came from some of the kids at that Tampa high school who went, hey... This looks just like that guy, you know, Slender Man. That just sounds like just like our monster, and so we think that's how it just got edited into the mythos.
4: I just had a shiver with that last one. That was yeah, kind it's of a creepy story. Yeah, <laughs> and, it certainly is. My
3: uh, illustrator Kerry Schultz has an amazing illustration for that in the book. You have to see it.
4: I I look forward to it. In fact, when I was a kid, we used to cross a trestle bridge from Chambly to the other side of the river bank where where I lived and. uh you know, a lot of strange stories about that uh, that trestle bridge as well. Mark, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. Nation, Mark Muncy is our guest. He is the creator of Hellview Cemetery, a charity haunted house in central Florida that was so infamous, it was banned by the city of St. Petersburg. What a bunch of morons, banning something that would really help people. I can say that. I don't live there. It's okay. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, this hour talking about Erie, Florida.
0: The earth is under ever-increasing pressure from untenable lifestyles and growing populations, yet viable answers seem in short supply. What if I told you there's an ancient form that can empower you to take charge of your life? What if your entire family could be enfolded and supported by life itself? finding safe passage through challenging times. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Art School with Great News, an upcoming series of leading-edge online affordable classes based in an ancient form of shamanism easily learned and used by your entire family.
4: Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere,
1: 24-7-365. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time?
0: truth. Historically, we viewed things as either being true or false. Now, as we enter a more expansive era, we find the question is not, is it true, but rather, how true is it? I'm Gwilda Wiecka, host of the Science of Magic Radio, a syndicated, internationally broadcast radio program dedicated to uncovering this ever-expanding truth. Join me daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, as I interview today's leading experts from the fields of science and magic, to uncover the hidden truth between the lines drawn in the sand. What we unearth in our discussions is not only amazing, but totally unprecedented. You won't want to miss a single episode. In service to our listeners, past episodes can always be found on our website with our compliments at thescienceofmagic.net.
4: Welcome back, everyone. Mark Buncey is our special guest to this hour, www.eerieflorida.com. You know, we've talked about a lot of subjects tonight, and uh, as I said to you off air, having a researcher, an author, and a historian all at the same time with us is, is is a unique opportunity for our listeners to get the whole story, the real story, just not the hearsay and not this supposition, but... The work that you and your fiancé have done in bringing this book to life, so to speak. So, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Oh, it's been my pleasure. This has been great.
4: All right, so let's get a few more things done. We've got about uh, ten minutes. My producer just uh, told me. Um, there are a number of national parks and historical sites. Um, which ones stand out the most, in your opinion?
3: Uh, I really, we really enjoyed uh, Devil's Mill Hopper. It's uh, an ancient sinkhole on Mm -hmm. top of another ancient sinkhole. So it's this super deep uh, place that goes down. Of course, it has a great Indian legend behind it that they killed a demon there. Uh, Of course, the name Devil's Millhopper comes from when they first found the Mm -hmm. early settlers in the area. As I said, Floridians like to name things colorfully. Uh, They found this place and they saw these weird bones and these rivers that just disappear into the bottom. So they were convinced it was the entrance to the underworld. Of course, the, of course, the bones were dinosaur bones and the like. And, uh, so it's just outside of Gainesville. Great place to visit. But, uh, the place that stuck out to us was, uh, a place up on uh, Fernandita beach, uh, near Amelie Island. And that was, uh, the, the, there's a legend there called, uh, well, the, the park is the Eggins Creek Greenway. It's this beautiful nature trail. It's got a few different uh, ecosystems all within a few miles. Uh, it's got uh, you know some scrubland. It's got some wetlands. But across the bridge to this old park of the uh, old part of the park that is no longer on their map is no longer part of the official uh, Eggins Creek Greenway. Is this old nature trail for the high school at Fernandina Beach? It was a student nature trail, and that even—we couldn't find any actual records of that actually ever being a student nature trail, although there are faded signs for it all over this place. But the legend there is of a grave of a witch and her pet demon named Wickedemus, which is probably just one of the greatest names ever uh, for a demon and the story goes, if you follow this trail, you go to this live oak tree, and there's a stone at the bottom of the tree, and that marks where the witch was buried from a lost colony that may predate Roanoke. And it's not without some evidence to back it up, but it's still unlikely. But what a great story. And you go there, and you say the name Wicodemus, and if you say it a few times, the winds will roar, the ground will shake, and you will feel the demon's power. And... uh It's always say it three times to mock the Trinity and all that in these legends. So well, we went there, we had to do some uh, legend tripping of our own. We went there. We saw the stone. We said the name three times. And sure enough, the wind picked up. It was crazy. (laughs) Uh, The moss, the Spanish moss through the live oaks is blowing everywhere. We tried to take a video, and the wind is just roaring so much it couldn't show. Now, you know, we have these weird freak winds and stuff hits Florida all the time, so, you know, it could have been nothing, but it was just, the timing couldn't have been better. It was great.
4: <laughs> um, I understand one of the oddest places that you visited was the Casadega.
3: Oh, Casadega. Uh, sad to hear about Tom Petty today, because he actually yes, wrote a song yeah. about the place. Uh, in 78, he did a song called Casadega, and it's about this, as he called it, my favorite quote, 35 acres of weird people in Florida. It's this great town. It was founded by a psychic... As a commune, a spiritual commune, and to this day it is considered the mecca of mediums and psychics. And there's a beautiful hotel there, and uh, they have, uh, you know, psychics there all the time. Mm -hmm. And they try to, you know, to to embrace that part of their life, but they hide the dark side. Until recently, they've started doing ghost tours and stuff like that, because I think they've realized that's where the tourist dollars are. Yep. But uh, for the longest time, they tried to hide that. And even on their website, they still say there is no graveyard in Casadega, because everybody goes and asks about the graveyard. And the reason everybody asks about the graveyard is because in the graveyard, there's a chair that was built by the devil, supposedly.
4: Okay, you've got to tell me about this chair.
3: <laughs> it's called the devil's chair. Okay. And it's, uh, you go to the—there is a graveyard, in, but it's not in Casadega. It's next to Casadega. And it's called the Casadega Lake uh, uh, Lake uh, Helen uh, Cemetery because there's a town of Lake Helen right next to mm-hmm. it. And uh, so, if you go into that cemetery, there are mourning chairs, which were common in the 1800s and so, where people just built brick chairs for people to sit while they're waiting, you know, mourning their fallen. Right. But and there's a few there, but there's one in particular. It's a red brick chair. And it's called The Devil's Chair, and then it has some graffiti on it that's been carved into it. It says Lucifer, and there's one we saw that's stone that just says, help me. And uh, supposedly if you sit in that chair at midnight, the devil will come and visit you and grant you a wish. Uh, well, you can't sit in that chair at midnight. It's, it's a you know, private property, and you will get arrested. Someone will visit you. It'll be the cops.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: but, uh, but another part of the legend is if you leave a beer there overnight... It will be drunk by morning, and the devil will give you a, a wish. Well, so oh,
4: sure, because the, the beer is drunk by the cops who would come to arrest I would assume you. Yeah.
3: The cops of security are yeah. drinking the beer, yeah. Uh, and they do patrol it. It was funny because there was one guy we talked to who said, oh, yeah, I went there on Halloween night, and I was there, and we were staying out. We snuck in late, and we went to sit in the chair, and we saw robed, creepy figures coming at us, dark figures coming out of the shadows, and it was the cops, and he got arrested for trespassing. <laughs> so definitely don't try to do that one at home. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and the other part of the legend is if you sit in the chair, no matter how hot it is in Florida, the chair will be cold and will be cool to the touch. And we went there in a July day and it was super hot and we sat in the chair and the chair was nice and cool. But then again, there is a reason why we build, uh, chimneys out of brick because they, you know, <laughs> they definitely conduct heat a little better than most.
4: They certainly do. One quick question for you because, uh, we've got to stay so long very in about uh, three minutes. Have you heard of any strange or weird stories about Cape Canaveral or Cape Kennedy?
3: There's some stories of, of a haunted launch pad. It's actually the one that SpaceX recently bought. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was called Launch Pad 34. And there's a... Uh, uh, sorry, my, don't have my notes on that one in front of me. But uh, yeah, that one, uh, there's a haunted launch pad where the you know, Apollo blew up and oh, yeah. uh, they... Uh, you'll see men like in spacesuits climbing into the rocket. There's a very famous uh, Doctor Who kind of took that and made uh, fun of that legend in an episode. And, uh, you know, there's, there's also some odd sightings of, uh, you know, unusual things in that area. Uh, what's fun in that area is there's a famous swamp witch uh, that actually has a song called The Swamp Witch. Uh, Blackwater Hattie is from not too far from there. But oh uh, yeah, goodness. there's there's always stories everywhere.
4: Now, is aren't there also stories about Indian River?
3: Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if we have time to get into that if we're running out of time. But yeah, Indian River has uh, some wonderful legends too. There's a shaman there that yeah. protects the weather and keeps the storms at bay. There's, uh, of course, the Indian River uh, burial sites are you know, notorious of bog people and some other stuff like that. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something everywhere, and that's why we've got more books
4: coming. So. Well, I was I was just going to ask you, what's next for you and uh, and your uh, your illustrator, aka well, okay. Carrie Schultz, aka we are definitely AKA working your... on
3: a follow up. Yeah, uh, which will probably uh, we you know we you know we're, we've got a lot of adjectives. We've got Erie, Florida. Our next one might be Strange Florida, but uh, keep an eye on ErieFlorida.com com for all that, and the book's available at your friendly local bookstore or anywhere online.
4: Let our listeners know um, how they can contact you. If they have stories that that have happened to them or they had experiences that they've had happen to them while in Florida and they'd like yeah. to get the story to you and carry you, how can they do that?
3: Well, basically, you can uh, email the website uh, at erieflorida.com. There's a link to mailmark at erieflorida.com. You can also message us on our Facebook page or our Twitter. We are pretty good about getting back to everybody. And uh, we'd love to hear from everybody's stories of you know, trips to Florida and unusual things they found. And uh, we'd love to hear them.
4: In, in your book, is there a way that the, the readers can, can get a map of Florida and actually map a, a, a tour for themselves?
3: Well the book is written uh with a there's a map in the front it's an old map from the 50s and we kind of follow a trail oh. you read the stories in order you start at the northeast
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh and then work your way down across the i4 corridor back over to the west coast then back across alligator alley out to the to and all the way to Miami and back down to the keys then we kind of have a jog back up to the panhandle because it didn't really work <laughs> otherwise but uh so, uh, but, yeah, you can kind of follow it, and wow. that's, that's the whole purpose of the, uh, of the book. So we'd, we'd love for everybody to follow that, because that's what we did.
4: Mark, again, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to having you back on the show to discuss more of the Erie, Florida stories and to find out what you and Carrie have been up to uh, since we last talked.
3: That sounds wonderful. Have a great day.
4: You too, Mark. Exonation. Mark Muncy has been our guest this hour, www.eerieflorida. Com. Yeah, some spooky stuff there, wasn't there? I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget the Treasure Coast Uni- Paris Unity Conference, November third, fourth, and fifth. I will be there, as I am the master of ceremonies and a lot more. And we're going to be broadcasting the the three day event live. On pay-per-view with our partners SimulTV. More about that at tv.com, exzone. Let me see, www.exzonechannel.com, and of course SimulTV.com. I am Rob McConnell. This is the Exon. I'll be back on the other side of this news break at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour. Don't go away.